Hey, normally I'm on board with something called a triple dip. Sounds like an exciting ice cream cone, but that's not the deal here, unfortunately. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Press Club C Podcast. I'm Ray Keating. In this 94th episode, we're going to look at the possibility, ugh, I hate saying it, of a triple dip recession. Sounds like fun, right? Right? Uh, I know. I know. Trust me, I know. But friends, before we get to the specifics of this episode, a quick reminder of what Press Club C actually is. Each letter stands for stuff we talk about. P is for politics. R is for religion, mainly Christianity. E is for economics. S is for sports. That second S is for stories, books and writing, my own books, other books, fiction, nonfiction, reviewers, author interviews. C is for culture, pop culture and otherwise. L is for life, the big catch-all. U is for understanding, lessons, for example, in history and economics. B is for business and entrepreneurship. And then last C in Press Club, C is for conservative. Why? Because I am one. And since we have to be very specific about such things these days, I'm a Reagan, Kemp, Buckley, Coolidge, Lincoln, Madisonian kind of conservative. Now, let's get to today's episode. So... A triple dip, right? Sounds great, again, if we're talking about desserts, but certainly not recessions. Keating, why do you want to do this to us? Why do you want to make us uh, worry and make us sad? Um, that's not my intention. I'm just dealing with the numbers when we're talking about um, the economy. And, you know, I have to wonder, given, unfortunately, the, the initial pandemic recession, and then the two quarters of negative growth in the first half of this year, um, are we headed, headed into a triple dip recession? Now, I am recording this on uh, October 27th, and, to, and today we got the latest uh, GDP report. Um, and I did two analysis on this for the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. I'm chief economist over there. Anything that I say here does not reflect on SBE Council in any way. These are my views. No one else has to take uh, blame for this stuff. But anyway, I do want to touch on some of the points that I made in these pieces for SBE Council uh, regarding, you know, it's just regarding the numbers on GDP for the third quarter, right? So first thing out of the box was, okay, 2.6% growth. Well, um, that's better than nothing, right? It's better than not being negative, uh, as was the case during the first two quarters of this year. So uh, during the first quarter of 2022, real GDP declined by 1.6%, and then it declined again by 0.6% the second quarter. So two quarters, back-to-back, -back, negative growth. Last time I checked my economics handbook, that's a recession, Okay, um, now we'll get back to that in a minute because I know the National Bureau of Economic Research are the soothsayers that actually say when recessions start and stop and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, 2.6% growth in the third quarter, you know, okay, fine. When we dig into the numbers, though, it's actually uh, not, um, I mean, I'm not impressed by 2.6% growth to say the least. Anything less than 3%, I'm going, eh, meh. Um, so, but the two, this, this report wasn't as good as the underwhelming 2.6%. So <clears throat> there are some positives 
And there were two big ones, uh, business investment, you know, in the report, it's known as non-residential fixed investment, uh, grew by 3.7% in the third quarter. That was good, especially when you compare it to 0.1% in the second quarter. Um, the equipment category, the broad category was up 10.8%. That's rock solid. That's great. Um, intellectual property products investment was up almost 7%, 6.9%. I tell you, IP investment has really withstood the test of time in this economy. Um, we need to take, uh, greater recognition of that. Um, but it is a stalwart, uh, in economic growth. Um, also, uh, good news on the exports front. Um, exports grew strongly in the second quarter. They were up, uh, by 14 uh, in the third quarter, they were up by 14.4% and that followed on 13.8% in the second quarter. So these are the positives in the new third quarter GDP report, right? Non-residential fixed investment up by 3.7% exports up by 14.4%. Okay. Unfortunately, after you get past those two pluses, everything else is kind of either meh or not so great. There are real concerns that I have, um, you know, under, under business investment structures, investment, right. Um, plunged actually by better than 15%, 15.3%. And that has been a stretch, man. When you're talking about investment and, you know, business buildings and so on, um, six quarters in a row of declines. Um, so that's not good. Now, residential investment housing, um, that is, that got hit by a 26.4% decline, uh, in the third quarter. And that came on a 17.8% on the heels of a 17.8% decline in the second quarter. And again, the stretch there has not been good. So housing, while it, you know, came out of that pandemic, uh, more robustly than arguably any other industry, um, is having tough times. Uh, and that's reflected in the, the GDP report. Um, now look at consumers. Everybody's always concerned about the consumer, but always remember folks, the consumer is a follower as much as consumption, personal consumption expenditures make up, you know, two thirds, 70% of GDP consumers are followers. They take their cue, their cues from, businesses, right? Are businesses investing? Are they hiring? Uh, and if so, then consumers are happy in their spending. So personal consumption expenditures, and we're talking about real terms and all this, uh, annual real term, annualized real terms, um, was up by only 1.4% in the third quarter. So that's, you know, that's a, that's definitely a, a yawner. And that included a decline of 1.2% uh, in the consumption of goods, and that's actually the third straight quarter of decline. Um, services, spending on services increased by 2.8%. So there are concerns there. Um, imports, remember imports are not negatives to the economy, right? They, they, when you're looking at, without getting into all of the accounting of it, when you're looking at GDP numbers, when you look at imports, the key is, um, they kind of, it, it reflects what's going on the, in the domestic economy. So if the domestic economy is growing, imports are going to be up. If we've got problems in the domestic economy, we probably have problems on the imports front. And so there, it's a signal. Imports are a signal. 
as to the state of the domestic economy. And remember, almost all input, all imports are inputs to U.S. domestic businesses, whether they be, you know, capital goods that manufacturers use to produce other goods or whether it's just consumer goods that go to retailers, right? Those are inputs to retailers. Uh, imports were down in the third quarter by a very troubling 6.9%. Um, and that was the, actually the first decline in imports uh, since the onset of the pandemic back in the uh, the first and second quarters of 2020. So again, a concern um, that, that I have. Um, and it, it also, you know, I mentioned before that I'm not uh, like wowed by 2.6% growth. Understand that the U.S. economy... At the very least, we should be growing at, at, you know, our growth should be topping 3%. On average, when you look back post-World War II, the U.S. economy averages about 3.5% real growth um, during periods of recovery and expansion, which we're supposed to be in, uh, roughly 4.5%, give or take uh, a few percentage points. So we, at 2.6%, that's that's underperforming, uh, to say to say the least. So... There's no reason to get excited about that. Now, um, let's get back to this idea then. So what are you talking about with a triple dip recession, Keating, right? Or the possibility of one. And that's all I'm talking about is it's another concern. It's got me, uh, it's got me, my attention. Um, and interestingly, the first question that came to my mind, has that ever happened before? Uh, in the U.S. economy, a triple dip recession. That is, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about three recessions that are very close together time-wise, right? So has that ever happened before? And when you look back, we have quarterly GDP data that goes back to 1947. And when you look at that, there actually has, there's there haven't been any triple dip recessions post-World War II. Um, the only one that we really had that was a double dip recession, two recessions close together, um, was in 1980 and then 1981-82. And there's some debate amongst economists, like, is that just one big recession? Um, either way, that was a brutal time, right? When we're talking about battling stagflation, that's what we should be looking back at. That was stagflation at that time period and certainly during the preceding, much of the preceding decade. But so we had two recessions close together in 1980 and then 1981-82. So what are we dealing with now? So we've got the pandemic um, and resulting closures, right, that generated a recession in early 2020. And then we have these two quarters of negative growth in the first half of this year. And as I mentioned before, there's a debate. Is that a recession? Is that not a recession? We're waiting for the National Bureau of Economic Research. Tell us, blah, blah, blah. Um, but th there are other reasons why people are saying it's not a recession because of the causes. You know, listen, a recession is a recession. Then we can get into the causes of it, right? So I do think, you know, it's pretty clear that, let's let me word this carefully that that was a recession or still is a recession, right? You can have a recession where you might have one quarter of growth in the middle of it, right? So we're not out of the woods in, in, in terms of saying that, that those first two quarters couldn't, you know, kind of continue as a recession yet. But putting that aside, let's assume that the first two quarters were negative growth, that that was a standalone 
recession, and now we've got this quarter, the third, it's past quarter, the third quarter, where we saw two saw two point six percent growth. But now I I want to I wrote about this as I said for SBE Council, and then I wrote another piece for SBE Council going back a few months about this whole National Bureau of Economic Research. Um, I did a little little historical research on those guys. And since 1948, they have never not called a recession when growth was negative in two consecutive quarters. You got that? So, so we had two negative quarters of growth, uh, ne- two negative, yeah, two quarters of negative growth. There you go. I can do this um, in the first and second quarters of this year. So for all intents and purposes, if the the National Bureau of Economic Research continues, you know, with its track record, that's a recession, right? I'll put that aside. So I'm saying it's a recession, and there you go. So we've got the early 2020 recession. We've got the early 2022 recession. And now um, we look ahead and, you know, just put on the news. There's a lot of talk about another recession, looking at a recession into 2023. Um, and that wouldn't, if that happens, you know, I'm, I, I'm expecting it, unfortunately. I, listen, I'm an optimist at heart, but I always say that I'm a realistic optimist. And when it comes to my economics, I'm looking at the numbers, the data, and I'm looking at sound economic principles. <clears throat> so, none of, you know, none of it's good there. None of it's pointing me in a a positive pro-growth direction. So, so why am I down on the idea that we we could have a triple dip recession, arguably for the first time ever? Well, the policy levers, if you will, in Washington D.C. are all pointed in the wrong direction. That is, they're they're pointed in an anti-growth direction. What am I talking about? Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve. These this group is explicitly saying. It's intent on engineering a recession in the mistaken hope that, um, you know, undermining economic growth and in, in particular, these guys undermining the labor market is how inflation is fought. Okay. So this is the old Phillips curve trade-off that never held. And it certainly doesn't hold today. Um, you don't fight inflation with an even worse economy. So let's understand, we are in a period of stagflation right now. What is stagflation? It's either recession or slow growth combined with high inflation. That's us, baby. Um, and unfortunately, the Fed's argument is, well, let's make it even worse. Let's make, you know, let's slow down the economy even more. Now, if inflation is too much money chasing too few goods, right? And that's at least part of the story right now with this inflation. There are other factors in the mix. Um, it's very actually very complex time in terms of the causes of inflation right now. It doesn't kind of neatly fit. Um, so there's a lot going on. There's, you know, there is the, uh, the war Russia's attack on Ukraine and, uh, the disruption in energy markets. There are still, uh, supply chain issues, um, and all sorts of factors coming into play that are pushing costs up. And along with that, the Fed has been running 
unprecedented loose money since actually the late summer of 2008. Let that sink in for a minute. Since 2008. So they have jacked up the monetary base, which is currency plus bank reserves, to a level that was never imagined before. And they just kept doing it. And even though they say they're tightening now, it's still at levels that were never imagined. Um, That loose money is certainly helping to fuel our current inflation. So the Fed should be, what should the Fed be doing? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so you got the Fed pointed in the wrong direction. Um, then you have um, the Biden White House and, and, and the current Congress pushing a policy agenda again that if I didn't know any better, it was like they were sitting down planning out an anti-growth agenda. And I don't believe in conspiracy theories or all that type of stuff. They just don't know any better. They're clueless as to how economics works and the impact of economic policies. But they are focused on what? Higher taxes. They are focused on hyper, and I mean hyper regulation. Um, in many ways, Joe, in many ways, Joe, many ways, Joe Biden is making, you know, Barack Obama, who was a hyper regulator, uh, seem like, you know, a restrained fellow on the regulatory front. I laugh, but that's not good. Um, on the trade front, we have either at the best case scenario, it's indifference to trade, but it's much more of a protectionist bent carrying over from the Trump administration. So while the U.S. needs to be advancing and returning to its role as global leader on free trade, and by the way, what is free trade? It is reducing government barriers so businesses and people can trade more freely. That's Free trade is a good thing. Uh, it's good for economic growth. It's good for um, uh, higher incomes. It's good for U.S. workers who get paid more in the international marketplace, and so on and so on. Um, so we have indifference or protectionism on trade, uh, and then we have, you know, um, a White House and a Congress that's simply in love with the idea of spending more money in terms of the government spending more money. And listen, that is is bottom line bad for the economy because you're draining resources away from the private sector. And the private sector is what? Private sector is guided by prices, profits, uh, losses, um, competition, and consumer sovereignty. And you're handing it over to politicians who are guided by what? Well, politics. That never works out for well for the economy. Um, and, you know, the private sector, when it drains resources, it either does so by, by, uh, by taxes or by borrowing. So either one is a negative. Um, and borrowing, you get to borrow today, which diverts resources now. And then you have to repay it later, which comes via taxes down the road. So. All the all of the major policy areas are pointed in the wrong direction. So they're going to they're making matters worse. They already not going to, they already have made matters worse. There's no reason why, um, after a pandemic and related shutdown, that our economy should not have fully snapped back and roared to life, quite frankly. After we get past, obviously, you know, getting people back and getting businesses back online. But we should be incentivizing entrepreneurship to get new businesses up and running. We're not doing that. Um, but if you had the incentives right, if you had policy right, 
Um, there's no reason why we would have negative economic growth. Instead, we would be rocking and rolling at, at better than 4% uh, or more uh, growth rate of 4% or more, right? Uh, but all of the policymakers in Washington are working to undermine this economic recovery. Um, so now, what should they be doing? What should they be doing? Well, first off, the Fed as I started to say, should be focused on reining in the incredible loose money, unprecedented loose money that it uh, has been running since 2008 um, and leaving, but it shouldn't be focused on manipulating interest rates, leave the interest rates to the market and just focus on reining in the excess um, money that you created. So that's number one. That's the Fed. That's it. That's what they should be doing. Um, now what about, um, Congress and the white house? Well, we have an example. I mentioned to you that we had stagflation in the 1970s and we had a brutal bout of it in the very late seventies and very early 1980s. How did we fight that? How did we get out of it? Well, th there were two key factors. We had a major, we had major pro growth tax relief courtesy of the Reagan administration. And we had the only extended period, now listen to this, since post-World War II, actually, I would argue probably since the Great Recession, uh, the Great Recession, the Great, Re phew, the Great Depression, um, during the 1980s, we had the only extended period of deregulation. So regulatory costs declined, really starting in the late 1970s, very, very late 70s, and then getting rolling, taking taking hold and getting rolling throughout the 1980s into the very, it, well, actually closing out that decade. Those two things, substantive deregulation and substantive tax relief, I would argue were the key factors in moving the U.S. economy from stagflation, from people saying that our decline was inevitable. Does this ring a bell with you, by the way, folks? We just have to accept slower growth blah, 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 to a robust, growing, innovation-driven economy that really lasted for decades on that foundation. So we have the lesson here. We know what to do. The question is, is there anybody out there in the political world that really gets it? And Reagan also, by the way, was the, the president who really started to push forward on free trade agreements. Um, does anybody get this? Does either party get this really? Um, the Democrats seem focused on socialism and Republicans seem focused on populist nonsense for the most part. Um, so, and by the way, we need, we don't, we need more immigrants, not fewer. Um, we need more immigrants to fill jobs, tight labor markets, fill jobs that, that native born people already in the country are not willing to do. We need more immigrants to, because they tend to be far more, far more entrepreneurial than the native born. So we need new businesses being created. Those are all big pluses that we need on the immigration front that always been supplied by immigrants. And we need that going forward as well. So that's another area of policy that needs to be turned in a very different direction. So folks, um, you know, if we get policy, right, I'll be a happy guy. I'll be, uh, I'll be much more optimistic than I am. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing anybody right now 
um, out there that's really taking a leadership role in advancing these types of policies. Where today is, you know, our version of Ronald Reagan? Where today is our version of Jack Kemp? These are the types of people that we need, pro-growth oriented conservatives and instead we're we're stuck in a muck and a mire of as i said democrats now embracing seemingly the idea of socialism and republicans wallowing in some populist nonsense um this is not what we need folks and it's deeply troubling uh i warn you (laughs) and i take no pleasure in that believe me so hopefully we'll we'll turn the corner we'll get some economic common sense going and we'll get this economy and this country back on track. So there you go. Thanks for listening. Your feedback and suggestions are always welcome. Please check out my various endeavors and books, uh, including the Pastor Stephen Grant Thrillers and Mysteries. You could pre-order the new one, Persecution, a Pastor Stephen Grant novel. You could pre-order the Kindle edition over at Amazon.com. You can pre-order signed books at RayKeatingOnline.com, and you can get the rest of the Pastor Stephen Grant books in the same places, are you on board? If not, here you go. If if you're if you're not caught up, why not catch up? Also, Cathedral, an Alliance of St. Michael novel. That's the first book in a historical fiction series. Um, that was a heck of a lot of fun to, to write. I'm getting great feedback on that, great reviews. So please consider that again at Amazon.com, RayKeatingOnline.com. How about some nonfiction books? Well, since we what we just talked about, why not grab the Weekly Economist, 52 quick reads to help you think like an economist. That would be a good one if you want to pick it up for yourself. Perhaps a gift for the college or high school student in your life. Um, free Trade Rocks, 10 points on international trade. Everyone should know. Uh, and also my collection of essays behind enemy lines, conservative communiques from left-wing New York, all of my books at amazon.com, signed books over at rakeeatingonline.com. Thanks so much for listening and God bless.